Hi everybody, Wynn Claybaugh here and welcome to this issue of Masters. I love days like today because the two amazing women that I'm going to interview, um, I just met them 20 minutes ago, <laughs> literally face to face 20 minutes and then, but of course I spent a while researching them, getting to know them, contacting people who, who already do know them and asking input and questions that I should be asking them. But the fact that you had no idea who I was and I just contacted you and I said, I want this. You said, yes. Now I want this. You said, yes. <laughs> Is that just kind of a habit of yours? You just say yes to things? <laughs> no, We're no. yes people, no. but we also um, just loved your message. I think we fell in love with you and the message of Paul Mitchell. And I think within the first 10 minutes of talking to you on the phone, Yvonne and I looked at each other and we're like, we want to be a part of whatever you're doing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just felt really aligned. Yes. So I'm definitely not a yes person. I'm actually, I'm like, <laughs> I, a, yes I really good. enjoy saying no sometimes these days. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when yes is an obvious answer like this, it was mm-hmm. a yes. Well, it was a yes you. with excitement and anticipation. And what else can we do? And how else can we collaborate? So, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, I like that message because I always say that I'm not the smartest guy or the prettiest guy or the most talented guy. So, I need to surround myself with people who are smarter, prettier, and more talented than I am. And, uh, and exactly. So, that the fact that whatever I'm doing or saying or whatever I've created gives yeah. people an opportunity where they want to say yes and get involved, I mean, that makes me really happy. So, yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, our listeners have no idea who I'm even talking to I right know. now. So <laughs> me, I'm sitting here with Yvonne McKinnis and Elijah Stewart. Yes. So welcome to Masters. Uh, these you. are two incredibly, very famous, talented makeup artists. But I know that their message has much more to do than makeup. I could say I'm sitting here with two women who flip pizzas every day and that's their career. That's what they do. But they have a message and it would be the same thing because... Mm-hmm. What you're sharing, the work that you're doing transcends makeup. What I'd like to say is that uh, maybe makeup is the the vehicle that mm-hmm. you're using. It's the excuse that you're using mm-hmm. to really pull people in and make a difference. Absolutely. Good yeah. for you. Well, a little bit about who they are, and I'm going to read some of this. As a professional makeup artist and trained educator, Yvonne has worked as a valuable consultant for major cosmetic companies, providing knowledge and insight for everything from educational content marketing, artist relations, and product development. She frequently works on camera as well, showcasing her fun, engaging personality, artistry and education in tutorial style, how-to campaign and corporate videos. Man, that's a lot. Okay, so listen, (laughs) as a beauty expert in the cosmetics industry, publications and editors often seek out Yvonne's expertise. She has contributed published content for BuzzFeed, Oprah Magazine, Refinery29, Nylon, SG, Imirage <laughs> Magazine, Fantastics Magazine, Elle Girl, Teen Vogue, Elle France. Oh my gosh, Huffington Post, it goes on and on. Allure, Makeup Magazines, incredible things. Yvonne continues to consult, blog, and educate in the digital landscape on behalf of brands worldwide, has contributed content and support for the creation and consulting and product development for many, including Makeup Forever and Mark Jacobs Beauty. So that's a lot, and there's about a thousand questions in all of that. <laughs> Lija Stewart is a makeup artist and creative director with over a decade of industry expertise. She is known globally for her detailed eye and creative approach to makeup artistry, as well as her on-camera presence in magnetic 
personality. Most recently, Lija held the position Director of Artistry and Education at Makeup Forever. In addition to creating, writing, and facilitating education programs for internal and external retail makeup artists, she works as brand ambassador and media expert for on-camera education content. Lija is now working as freelance artist and brand consultant both in LA and New York City, specializing in global education, digital content, branding through artistry, beauty, editorial, and artistic makeup with a focus, fashion, and celebrity clientele. Elijah is the co-founder of the Creative Makeup Bootcamp, which I'm so excited to talk about, an online and workshop-based makeup education program focused on the creative being not being creative. And I'm going to ask you about that. They are a married couple. You know, what's that like to be married, to work together? You have a business together. You have separate careers. Mm -hmm. What is that like? It's awesome. I mean, we think it's awesome. We actually met at work about seven years ago, almost eight years ago. So we've only known working Working with each other and also being madly in love with each other. So, you know, that has transpired into our own freelance careers now. Um, I think the hardest part is to separate and make sure that we're maintaining our own separate jobs because a lot of what we're doing kind of just sort of leads into each other. So that's why we we set up the Creative Makeup Bootcamp. So that's our shared space where we can play and develop and work alongside each other. And then we have our our freelance makeup artistry careers and education careers outside of that as well. So, yeah. yeah. You know, you basically complete each other's sentences already. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think think working together, I mean, Yvonne's the most brilliant makeup artist that I know and educator that I know. And so I feel like it's the greatest honor to work by her side. And I definitely feel like the ideas that we have, we build on each other's ideas and inspirations and it's so fun to create together because it's like open possibilities open potential and we dream together and it's it's so good for a partner to to be doing that with your partner in life and also your business partner in life and I would say the biggest challenge of working together is actually making time for our relationship like not having that bleed in since we work all day together then like when night comes to sit down at dinner and talk about something else, not work and so obviously spend you, time you, together. You, know? you have guidelines, you have boundaries. Yes, like yes. Okay, after eight years, it's like, okay, the new rule <laughs> yeah. after seven years yeah. is past yes. six o'clock, we don't talk right. work. Is it, have you had to do that? We, yeah. Well, yeah. I think we constantly try to find new ways to set boundaries because we love what we do so much. It's probably the most challenging thing. I think uh, making time for fun is definitely really important to us and it's something that we've we've learned that we need but we get to thrive and and do what we love she's definitely the yin yin to my yang or whatever that saying is (laughs) you're the yin to my yang because she at least you didn't say she completes me (laughs) she she does though i mean lijah is like the spiritual healer like she has this whole other set of qualities and and things that i like me and everybody who meets her is absolutely obsessed with and just loves being around and her energy is so bright and beautiful and magical. So for me, it's not only work because I see that a whole other side of her and I love celebrating that and platforming that, you know, in our life and in our work life as much as possible. See, I think that that's great because a lot of couples who could be magically in love with each other, mm. but they come home, how was your day? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Mm. So th- that they're, would they're, suck. I, it yeah. would suck. Oh, that yeah. would be terrible. You know, or... Their workday is amazing, but yeah. they don't get to share that time and that yeah. space and that experience with mm-hmm. their spouse. Yeah. So it's like you know the, the best part of your day. And for some people, 
the best part of their day is while they're at work. Yeah. That's where they have full on energy and, mm-hmm. and yet they don't get to share that with the spouse, with the partner. And yeah. so I think when, when that opportunity does come up, it's great. But yeah. we could also do a whole podcast on, okay, <laughs> we're, we're a married couple. What does it take to, oh to create God. boundaries and, and keep this yeah. alive and yeah. healthy? I'm so sure that I can go with tune session. into that podcast because it's an ever evolving target, I'm sure for yeah. everyone. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, it's, it's different for everybody, but I think what's really cool is that we're just hyper aware of making movements and adjustments where we need to, mm-hmm. to make sure that we're living the most happy, fulfilled, blissful life possible. Just kind of the whole goal. Well, what, what you just right? said it that you're open to the to making shifts and adjustments. Mm-hmm. What do they say? The the six words of a failing company are we've always done it that way. Right. Yeah, I, sure. which I guess could apply to a, a marriage. Yeah, the six words of a failing marriage are we've always done it that way. Yeah, so to always be open to changing sure. and new boundaries. What used to take ten steps for a successful couple now is twenty steps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. So um, our very good friend, who I want to thank, Deborah Dietrich. Yes. Uh, we sent her a little love note this morning. Gosh. Well, she, she is the one who hooked us up and introduced mm-hmm. us. And, uh, again, I just want to thank you so much for, for saying yes, especially now that you just told me that you don't often say yes or you don't like to say yes. <laughs> so the fact that you did. And, and, and so Deborah provided lots of, of, of questions, and I really appreciate the feedback and the input that you guys gave me to – to help navigate through this. And mm-hmm. so let's just talk about, first of all, about the world of, of makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to get into what you guys call transformation through mentorship, mindfulness, and meditation, mm-hmm. and how you're relating that to makeup, to mm-hmm. the world of education and makeup yeah. is is transformational. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we started the Creative Makeup Bootcamp in the beginning. It, it's, it was really like we've both been educators for 10 years and you'd see people come into the classroom with, you know, saying in the same creative classrooms all the time saying like, I wish I was creative. I want to be creative. I'm not creative. And what we noticed is there were so many limiting beliefs around people's creativity. And I want to define what creativity means because I think sometimes when people think about creativity, they think of crazy color or, you know, wild design, but that's actually not it. It's literally, it can just be color theory. It could just be, you know, composition of a dress, a hair, and what are you going to do on the face? Or what are you going to do with a color, right? And so just really honoring that we're all creative beings and that that's our right and our space that we thrive in is where the Creative Makeup Bootcamp kind of was born. And um, You don't even have to be a makeup artist. I mean, I think that this part transcends any industry. It's really like, you know, we like to ask the question, when did someone tell you that you weren't creative? Because we're all born innately creative beings. And what, what answers do you get? You know, a lot of it is in childhood. It's either like, you know, in an art class where they're sitting next to someone and someone's like a fantastic artist. They're drawing like a 3D face and they're only doing shapes and lines or stick figures. And then right there they say, well, God, I'm good at math. I'm glad that I'm good at math. I'm not creative. You know, or sometimes it's a teacher. Sometimes it's a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's just the belief system at home around, you know, creativity is for children. It's not mm-hmm. for adults. And as we get older, you're not allowed to be creative anymore. We, we squelch curiosity. Exactly. And, exactly. And playfulness. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we really try to bring that back to an artist's mindset, you know, that you are creative and that you do have the power to be creative. And so we provide a few different tools for doing that. One tool that we do that with is breath work. So breath work is an active meditation. 
It's a three-part meditation, and it's really amazing for moving energy in the body. So as human beings, we have a lot of stuck trauma in the body. And trauma can be anything from, you know, a very traumatic experience to something mean that someone told you at some time. And we internalize these thoughts, and they actually live in our physical space. And so by breathing, what we do is you kind of like dig up that old energy, push it out of your body, and you bring a new prana, a new life force. And so we love to do this as a physical exercise in the class, get people breathing, get people questioning those belief systems that they've kind of subscribed to Mm -hmm. and allow them to release them in that space, speak them out loud, um, you know, in front of their peers, in front of us and validate people as creative beings and humans who are so expansive, but they've somehow limited themselves in their expansiveness in aging. breath work that you're doing do you do this like in the beginning of a class yes it's the first thing we do now are people sitting there thinking wait a minute this is not what i signed up for show me the palette of makeup and, i think and this technique why are these girls I, wasting my time with breath work and you know, can i just say you know who dr amen is daniel amen yes okay this guy is amen's clinics he's like this brilliant 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 man yeah and i've heard him say many times because i've been following him and stalking him for yes for years you know of course he's a clinical psychologist and so people are asking questions and everything and you think that his answer is going to be something rooted deep into <laughs> yeah. neuroscience exactly neuroscience and he's like let's talk about breath work yeah yeah he's like to, to, to shift people out of those limiting belief yeah. systems yeah. here here we're going to walk through an exercise right now and the audience is like they're ready to write somebody down something yeah. brilliant and yeah, yeah. and yeah. And he's like, let, let me walk you through this. It's really fun. It's really fun to watch that process. And particularly, I think we have groups of people. I feel like the right people show up to the classes when we teach them, you know. But we have online versions of this. So people could be at any point in their lives when they're listening to this. What does happen every time is that there is a movement of energy. And whether the person who's receiving the breath work is going really, really deep into it, or maybe it's their first time and it's kind of freaking them out, there's always some sort of transmission that happens because it's not like traditional meditation like you don't sit there and quiet and try to still your mind it forces you to get into this active state of meditation where you push things out and then immediately in our class we fill it up with the good stuff so we start talking about infinite possibilities and the power of positive thought and taking a, a look at your kind of like last five years how did you get into this part of the industry and where do you want to go and so we play around with this idea of like time and space and like okay what's really real it can be really any thing we want and then we get into the creative stuff so it's an interesting process i think it is a little jarring sometimes in the morning but we've only had amazing the best feedback you know feedback and I think from it comes, people i think so many times when you take a creative class i think what ends up happening is it's it's led with ego it's like look at me and my amazing skills i'm an amazing artist and now i'm going to do amazing things for you for the next two hours and then you're going to try and do them and that's literally the traditional classroom, you know, master class setting, right? Oh, yeah. ego just shuts the doors of learning. Totally. Yeah. So then the whole time for two hours, someone's Meaning that the, 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 the training was about the trainer or the educator <laughs> totally. and has exactly. nothing to do with exactly. the learner. You right. know what? When you, you hit the nail on the head, this is why what we believe is like so different and so aligned with what you're doing. We've taken it out of context of like what we are doing. Like 
on our creative makeup bootcamp, we don't even have our bios or anything. It's not even about us. It's about the learner. It's about what did I need 10, 15 years ago when I was starting out in this industry? What would have helped me fill my cup? What did I need on my darkest days and when I didn't feel creative and when I was uninspired mm-hmm. and I had to do a job because I needed to make rent and that was the mm-hmm. path that I and chose. And we're in an industry that's so, so secretive sometimes. I feel the beauty industry can sometimes be, you know, these are my secrets, these are my techniques and we really want to dismantle that whole idea. Yeah. And so we say it's not about being creative, it's about the creative being. Yeah. as you say that. <laughs> See, she's magic. Oh I told you. Look at You know, they say your hair grows every time you get goosebumps. Right? You're going to have a full <laughs> right. of hair. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we really do focus in on the creative being and Elijah teaches along with breath work, a few other ways to set up ritual for yourself. So you can be empowered when you're walking into your day instead of this, you know, drill sergeant mindset that we talk about that we do as creatives often. I like to talk about the fact that like, you know, before a big job or before an interview or, you know, before meeting with a client, maybe you're nervous to work with. We do this weird thing as creatives where we're like, tomorrow I need to be amazing. Tomorrow I need to show up 110% and you maybe, you know, pack your kit and you get your stuff ready but I call it the drill sergeant mentality where we you know we're these like soft creative people and then we go into this like hard you know matter of fact person and then the next day we're waking up in a state of fear of like I need to be amazing today but with no real tools no real anything to give back to ourselves and so we play with the idea of ritual what are the rituals that we're doing on a daily basis or even before a creative setting or before working with a client that put us in a space to really exchange energy with someone else to exchange creativity with someone else how often do you walk into a situation where it would be easy for you to feel intimidated oh my god because there's a an a-list celebrity or more Mm -hmm. there's a, a producer a director yeah there's a whole team of people, and mm-hmm. you're just one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're the one person, obviously, with a very important job. How mm-hmm. easy is it for you to walk in and immediately start to feel intimidated? I think that that's usually what people do, and I think what ends up happening is they go ego hard. Like, that's why our, our, our mm-hmm. world can be so egocentric. I'm going to mm-hmm. overcompensate. In the wrong way. Because I see your bio, and I see the stuff you've done, and so now I'm going to come in with my big ego and my big bio and show you everything. And I think the best thing that we can do to counteract that is come from a place of our heart, come from a place of communicating from heart and communicating from head. And if you get into that space and you feel oh my gosh, I need to now like pull out my bio and start name dropping. Just take a deep second, take a breath and, you know, align with your body, get grounded. Don't play that game. The other empowerment tool, I love that you brought that up because like I literally watched myself walking on set when you said that. You're like, you see all the players, they're all there, they're ready. They're ready to potentially like tear you down. The other part is that you need to communicate with these people. So the other half of what we're doing is the empowerment piece of literally giving you tools and fundamentals that can make you feel so strong in those situations. Being able to speak to, you know, we infuse fine art theory into our makeup artist classes. So we can talk about color theory, texture design, elements of design. So now I can talk to the designer and the creative director in a new way that makes me feel empowered and strong and like able to share and articulate the things that I really need to get across to get my job done to the best of my possible. Well, when you're working on set, you're not working in a bubble. Yeah. No, you're how, how many people, how many people have an input and an opinion on the yeah. work that oh, you're yeah. doing? Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, I and mean, oftentimes people who aren't even creatives or artists. So to be able to communicate at that higher level is so essential to be able to articulate and feel like, okay, you know what? I did the best I could. 
and getting, you know, what I need to do here done. I got hired for a job. But if you can only speak makeup or you can only speak, you know, wow. one little, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to communicate to that mm-hmm. creative director. Okay, I'm going to break that down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, and I have a feeling that you have some A-list celebrities or any clientele that for, that's a lot of pressure on them too. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that they are hiring you not just because of your resume and your Instagram followership mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the brilliant work that you do, but they're like, gosh, I really need Elijah in my space right now. Yeah. I feel so pressure right now. Elijah, do my makeup, and I know you're <laughs> going to be good at it, but thank God you're in my yeah. space yeah. right now because of what you bring. We love to talk about the idea of, so I think so many times people are like, what's your signature style? Especially with Instagram and the world of digital, where now people have such a visible profile of the kind of work they do. Mm-hmm. I think there's this idea, I meet these artists, they're like, I love your signature style. I love your signature style. Really, that's amazing that people maybe hire you for a specific type of work. And if you can get to that level, awesome. But I think even more than being a brilliant makeup artist or hairstylist, it's about the signature energy style that you bring. People want to know that you're going to show up on set, on time, in a good mood, that you're going to be calm, cool, and collected. Mm-hmm. You're going to be grounded. You're not going to be all over the place. As beauty technicians, we're in crown chakras, we're in throat chakras, we're in heart chakras. We're in all of like the upper levels of connection. And that's why all my hairstylist friends out there will know that's why people will tell you the most personal stuff while you're doing their hair. It's because you're literally in their aura, in their most personal zones. And so the idea of being a makeup artist and being a hairstylist and being in those spaces, it's a sacred space. And so we have to come grounded with a signature, not only signature makeup style, but a signature energy style. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about that. And I think we can use that at every level, not just with clients, but with our colleagues. And, you know, the best people to work with are people that you know are going to show up and bring a great energy to set or to work. You called it a, a sacred space. Yes. You create that sacred space. Absolutely. And you and you take that sacred space mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it, the, the poster over at, the, at my school. It mm-hmm. says something along the lines of be responsible for the energy that you're bringing into yeah. the space yeah. right now. And some people like walk in and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you just bring into my <laughs> yeah. office right now? Yeah. You haven't even opened up your mouth. It's like, you know, do you want to leave and come yeah. back a little bit and yeah. just own that? Take yeah. responsibility for that. Yeah, yeah, it's real. It's tangible. You can feel energy, yeah. good vibes, bad vibes. Mm-hmm. We, we talk about it all the time, but like we really bring in awareness to like how can we shift the energy that we're bringing to any situation. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it goes back to that ritual and taking time to just kind of get yourself aligned. I'm going to ask you about that daily ritual that Mm -hmm. you both do. I mean, you teach it, but then also you have to practice it, Mm -hmm. which I love to talk about because at the end of the day, you have credibility. I've heard motivational speakers who speak on leadership and they don't have one employee. (laughs) (laughs) So they go, well, this all sounds great in theory, but how is this working out for you in real life? You know, so Mm -hmm. meaning again, if your marriage was falling apart Mm -hmm. and yet we're talking about this stuff, you lose credibility. So, and I know I'm like, I'm like such a, I'm going against what you guys believe right now. You say, oh, we don't show up with our bio and yet I'm going to ask you about your bio. (laughs) And the reason why is because some of the people that are listening to this might be new to this world. Mm -hmm. So they are aspiring to be a a successful whatever, hairdresser, makeup artist, or a lot of our listeners to this podcast right now um, have nothing to do with the beauty industry, but Mm -hmm. people are aspiring to something. Of course, yeah. Um, So they, they need to know what's 
available for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. I'm just sorry. Just get it out of your system. <laughs> just name. <laughs> just name the ego. Yeah, just name just some of the. <laughs> I mean, name some of the celebrities that you work with and some of the shows or or movies or whatever. I, I named some of them mm-hmm. and some of the magazines, Yvonne, that you've been featured in and. Um, so just rise off the list and get it out of your system. Lasha hates talking about herself, so I'm going to let her go first. Oh, great. (laughs) I was hoping you'd go first. Um, so I, I would say what I'm mostly known for working in is the world of editorial and also beauty campaigns. So I do a lot with beauty brands, um, work for brands Makeup Forever, MAC, Cirque du Soleil, I, Becca Cosmetics, um, and really my focus there, I think what they hire me for is a combination of understanding what it is to work on the brand side, coming from a creative director at a makeup brand, and also being a great makeup artist and knowing how to deliver results in a fast environment. And also she's worked on Madonna's music video <laughs> and share. Okay. I've worked with Steven Tyler Madonna. You know, Madonna canceled on me last night. Uh, she Madonna canceled on us too. On her we birthday. Had, when's your birthday? September 14th. She postponed we it and we couldn't go. I lost she can't, the tickets. I, we had tickets in November, I think November the 12th and for some reason she canceled. But apparently she's on the next night. So We, we got didn't the get to go. I just found out last night. I lost those tickets. I'll tell her you said hi. It's actually it's a little too okay. soon. Oh, oh, you're still so mad. I'll tell Madonna you're a little pissed off. Yeah. Okay, so you did Madonna's yeah, so, music video. Yeah, so um, I worked with Madonna. So you were her makeup artist for that. I was actually, I did um, all of her dancers, the Kazaki boys oh, sweet. for that video. Well, it's a Girls Gone Wild video, which is a great video if you haven't seen it um i worked with florence and florence and the machine i've worked with steven tyler Cher, as yvonne had mentioned steven Mizell is a photographer mike ruiz i work with all the time the a photographer that i work with a lot in new york her name's Lindsay adler she's fantastic she's a creative photographer that does a lot with photography education and inspiring new photographers so if you're a makeup or hair artist interested in photography you should definitely look her up too um, but the stuff that I feel like my career has really focused on is not just celebrity, but really the underside of makeup, which is selling makeup and working in a, a corporate environment. And I do like to tell artists this because I think that the world that we are in is vast. And you don't just have to be, you're, just being a makeup or hair artist doesn't mean that I'm just doing celebrity or that I'm just doing advertising or commercial work. I mean, there's work in so many types of industries. And so I tell a lot of people when they're starting out, if they don't know where to go, start at a corporation. Start a a, a Paul Mitchell or a Makeup Forever or a Mac or somewhere that has structure and able to move you up where you're learning and getting paid at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's so many different ways to enter into this industry. And I think that our stories are one story, but there's multiple ways to be in this industry. And I definitely feel like I'm growing in this industry because I started on the brand side. I was at Mac as a trainer for many years. I went to Makeup Forever. As you mentioned, I was um, director of artistry and education, did some creative direction, product development with them. And then I went into, I freelanced. I decided to go freelance, kind of what I would say cold turkey. Mm-hmm. And I really entered into a whole new world Of course, a world that I had been exposed to because I had dipped my toes in it while being on the corporate side. But I've learned so much in the last two years. And I love sharing what I've learned in the last two years. Because there's been times like working in fashion, for example, that I was like, oh, my gosh, like, uh, I need a setback. What's a lineup? Okay, now Pat McGrath wants to. Okay, oh, oh my God, what do I need? What am I doing? You know, and I think being in these environments where we're learning and growing all the time 
there's no destination. It reminds me of that. There's no real destination. We're always evolving. We're always changing. And where we thought we were going to be five years ago, I think can be different at any given time in our lives. I like what you were talking about the to become a part of an organization, a corporation like Mac or selling makeup or skincare mm-hmm. at Saks Fifth Avenue yeah. is great because it gives you that structure, yeah. uh, which is important because a lot of people think, well, that's not my dream. And so I'm not going to go there. Right. Like I have people that tell me, well, I'm going to school and then I work at Starbucks. I'm like, why'd yeah. you just whisper that? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's not my dream. Yeah. yeah. But it's a stepping stone to get yeah. you there. Yeah. So and embrace Starbucks that. And known for like customer service. There you go. Exactly. Right. So I think that's great what, advice. I think so many times when we are young and we are, we have a goal in mind we're like, this isn't part of the path. That's part of the path. And we constantly, like, we're, yeah. we're, we're turning the wheel. It's like you're in the um, one of those, like, cars where the wheel, you can't turn the wheel. Right. And you're trying to stay on one path. But really, the path can go this way, and it can curve around, and yeah. it can wind, it can spin back under. And I think the important thing to remember is everything that we learn along the way only helps us mm. as where we are now. I have a marketing degree super random. My parents made me go to college and get a marketing degree. They wouldn't pay for makeup school. So I'm completely self-taught in makeup and I have a degree in marketing communications. When I was in college, I never in a million years would have thought that would have ever been to any use of me. And fast forward to 10 years later, I'm a director at a cosmetics company speaking with only marketers and and VPs and, you know, and global people that are in these global positions that really could have looked at me and been like, well, you're an artist. What do you have to say? Mm -hmm. But because you can speak their language, then all of a sudden you're a valuable player on the team. Well, you you talked about empowerment tools where you have a language that's in addition to Mm -hmm. the artistry that Mm -hmm. you do. Mm Mm-hmm. So that you can speak to all types. Yeah, I think, too, it's like connecting the dots backwards. You never know what along your path is going to end up being the thing that supports you in what you're going to do next. Mm. So there's, there's no, like, wrong path, especially right now. There's, like, like Elijah was saying, there's a million different ways you can go about doing things. And I think I went a little bit different. I didn't. I went to makeup school. Where did you go? I went to, it was, um, they changed the name of it, but it's the... School of Makeup Art now in Toronto, but I did everything. I did process. I was going to be a special effects makeup artist in my mind, and actually before that, I didn't even know what I was going to do. Special like, effects for like Halloween like, yeah, movies. Yeah, like horror. horror didn't you films. just tell me that yeah, you liked that? Love you love Halloween. Halloween and were, so okay. I grew up in like a really small town where the makeup artistry was not a thing, and I left like really young. I was gone at eighteen. I was on my own. I lived. I moved to Toronto. I'm from Canada originally, okay. and. I was in the theater as like an actor and I thought that's what I was going to do. I was like a theater nerd. And then I was like doing all the makeup for fun and I'd always done makeup for fun. And then I was like, wait, this is a real job. Mm. So I went back to school thinking, okay, I love horror movie makeup. I've always like, since I was way too young, I've watched horror movies and been like, how do they do that? And then God for therapy later, right? right? Well, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably still causing Elijah extra, extra therapy. (laughs) Because I still love horror movies. But it, I work in fashion primarily now. So, we're, you know, how do you connect those dots? Right. Well, what happened was that I kind of was like, okay, well, I like that. But that's going to be, like, my thing for Halloween. Maybe I'll get into, you know, and I started at Mac. And I didn't have my family didn't have money. I didn't have money to go to school. I did my makeup school, but that was it. So I went to Mac, and I actually learned everything I could. Um, you know, Estee Lauder started this program where they would train their managers. And I ended up moving up to, like, a manager level pretty quickly because I'm just – 
a leader and I knew artistry. So I would lead my artists just by inspiring them. It was really easy for me. And none of the other managers could kind of figure it out, but we were doing really great. So I moved up pretty quick and then I was part of these all these pilot programs. So I just got in the way of every bit of education that I could possibly get along the way. And every course, you were supposed to do one a year, I think, as a manager. I did all of them. So I was like on the portal, like learning everything I could about marketing, about like um, time management, about like everything I could learn. Right. And then I moved from that job into a, a trainer position just because I loved the education piece. And then also around the same time started getting into fashion because Mac was working at a lot of the fashion shows. And so, you know, years later, I ended up in brands as a global artist, still doing a lot of freelance on the side always throughout, ended up working with brands. I got to do the Super Bowl with Lady Gaga because I was working with a brand. You know, I worked backstage at Marc Jacobs shows and then ended up getting on a major keys team. And now we work, you know, globally as artists on these teams. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't get into the brand side, if I didn't mm. learn the things mm. back then. So it's always like you never totally. know what's going to take you to the next place. But it's really fun to share that now with younger artists who are yeah. like, what do I do? What's the path? And I think we are kind of in this mindset of like checking off boxes. But what you were saying about having the fundamentals, it's really about maintaining that. It's really about, okay, where's the longevity in my career? I know that I love this. This is my passion. I'm really lucky to know what my passion is. Some people don't even know that. Right. But what's my purpose now? And so that's where you start to connect all those other pieces. And so I think sharing what I've been able to learn mm -hmm. is a part of my purpose now. And sharing yeah. that with younger artists and getting them to a place where they don't feel overwhelmed and they can take artistry and look at it in a different way. You talk so much about passion and purpose. And I will say that like 10 years ago, my passion was always makeup. But my purpose was totally different than where it is now. How so? I would definitely say when I was a younger artist, it was about, you know, making money, moving up, getting the jobs that I knew that I needed. It was much more, I guess, of being aggressive towards my goals. Now my purpose has shifted to be about sharing, about meditation, about the power of positive thought, about really focusing on the internal more than the external. What, what flipped that switch for you? What made that hard turn to say, I need to be more internal with this? Yeah, I think it was like a little bit of like a, I would definitely say, some people would call it a mental breakdown. Someone else might have called it a spiritual awakening. There you go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll see what we through inspiration or desperation. Yeah. So sometimes it's a... It's yeah, a fine it's, line, it's, right? It's a desperate thing. Yeah, yeah, I think my energy healing teacher would have called it a spiritual awakening and a therapist may have called it a mental breakdown. Okay. Um, but it was definitely just like pushing myself so hard all the time pushing, pushing, pushing to the next level and being really hard on myself. You know, at the age of 30, I was a director at a major makeup brand. And so it was a lot of being on and not a lot of giving back to myself. And so I think there was a crack that was like, you're either going to keep going down this path and like kill yourself or you're going to find something new. Am I allowed to ask, what was that crack for you that spiritual awakening mental breakdown look yeah. like for you it was definitely not going in the same direction I was going because it, it was going to equal sickness it was going to equal death it was going to equal maybe quitting my job and re-looking at my entire life okay. um so what ended up happening was that physically I was on edge I couldn't concentrate I had no focus at all and I felt like I was trying to achieve a million things and getting nothing done and ironically, around the same time, my mom and I were supposed to go on vacation together. And she 
we had this week plan where we were just going to go lay on a beach and do absolutely nothing other than like drink, you know, pina coladas on a beach. And ironically enough, during the same time, there was an energy healing class that was taking place in Montana. And she sent me a link and said, I know this is crazy. We were supposed to go to Mexico, but like, would you want to come to this? There's a little questionnaire, read it, fill it out, see what you think. I read it and immediately I was like, this is what I need. I've lost connection to spirit. And when I say spirit, I don't mean religion and I don't mean any version of a God that we know as human beings on this earth. But I mean, literally me as a being on this planet, my own potential, I've lost connection with that. Because I've become this person who's trying to do all the time and not achieve. be, do and achieve all the time, but not actually spending time with myself. I don't even know myself. Who am I? And so then it looked very funny. My, my awakening from them, I ended up going to school in Montana. Um, it was a program that was four weeks, but it was over an entire year. And we would go for a week at a time. And we had homework in between and follow-ups in between. During this time, I like stopped wearing makeup completely. And if you guys could see me now, I look like a drag queen. I love makeup. So anyone who <laughs> knew me was like, what the freak is happening to you? You're like, you look crazy, right? Like, I stopped wearing makeup completely. I, 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 got, to watch, I, I got to witness this entire process, by the way. I was I, like, all right, Lija's losing her mind. It's cool. All right. This is a new version. All I've right. always colored my hair. I basically wanted, and I've always changed the way I looked. Ever since I was probably 12 years old, I've been obsessed with just changing my physical appearance. And I decided to break all of that down and go back to just who I am on the outside. And instead of getting ready in the morning, I would meditate, I would make myself breakfast, I would have, I started incorporating all these new rituals into my life. And I like, I started from scratch, it was like I cleaned the eraser board, I started from scratch, and I just have kind of built back up on it. Wow. Um, and then, you know, energy healing work, like hands-on healing, took me to breath work, um, and then it also took me back to the fact that I love to play with my physical appearance, and that's okay too. I can be spiritual, and I can also look funky and fun and love to express the way I look on the outside, and that's all okay. There's no mold of who we have to be. It's, it's however we're most comfortable. I wonder how many people in the world that we live in who do love to change their appearances and maybe to the outside world seems really extreme and, and hardcore or whatever, start to believe that. And mm -hmm. so they, they start getting a little hardened on the inside yeah. because mm -hmm. of the reaction and the judgment that they're getting from, well, you don't fit in here. Yeah, for you're, sure. You're, you look very, very different than the rest of us. And yeah. what's wrong with you? Yeah. And it's easy to play into that and take that on. It's also a shield, if we're being completely honest. Mm -hmm. If I look like someone that you don't want to talk to, then I don't have to ever, you know, be uncomfortable in a social situation right. wow. because I, I'm harder than that. But, but that's not true. We're all human beings. So our, our innate design is to connect with other How people. How often do you tell your, that story? The story of I tell the, a shorter version breakdown. in the class. Mm -hmm. I tell kind of like a compacted version in our class. Because that's what a, brought you to breathwork. Yeah, that's and, what brought and, me to breathwork mm -hmm. ultimately. But I have a feeling, though, that when you do share that story, on the next break, people are coming up to you and saying, hey, Elijah. And they're telling you stuff mm -hmm. that maybe before they didn't feel that they had the permission to mm -hmm. tell you. Yeah, for because sure. Because everybody has that story yeah. or a story. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. Because it takes a lot of courage to be able to 
share those kinds of stories. Yeah. I was born brilliant and fabulous and nothing ever happened to me. <laughs> the easy one to tell. Right. I think people need it. It makes you relatable. Now, mm-hmm. okay, now I want to hear what you have to say. Now I want to learn your technique yeah. on, on makeup because, oh, wow. You went through that, and look, you, you seem to turn out okay. Maybe there's hope for me. Yeah. So the ironic thing is that in the year that Elijah was doing all this breathwork and healing, we actually split up for an entire year. Really? And we were actually in Santa Fe doing different types of healing training at the same time. We didn't speak for almost an entire year. Really? We were there at the same time doing different things. <laughs> I know. That was I really was doing weird. infinite possibilities training with Mike Dooley, and she was there doing what we were doing. work with David Elliott. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so we, we found that when we came back together after almost a year of being apart. But um, that time apart sent me on a, a personal quest, which involved a lot of therapy and healing with, you know, family. Um, but at the same time, really honoring my inner manifester I guess and the ability to change the course of my life and instead of looking backwards and realizing that you're not where you come from Mm. and that you have the ability to manifest and to dream and to desire and to do anything you want in this Mm. life so my my work at the time that we spent apart was spent working on really engaging with the power of positive thought and with with changing the design of kind of like my own destiny. And in that time, the few things that we just went over started happening. So that was the time we did. I worked with Gaga twice, actually. That was the time I got to work the biggest you know runways. And I, I spent an entire month at the beginning of that year building out a vision board and really digging into visualization hmm. and the power of positive thought. And in that year, everything kind of changed for me. So it was so crazy when we came back together after that year. And we're like, okay, so nice I really miss you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, yes, I'm still madly in love with you. And we actually never, ever spend a day apart after that. Wow. But we needed that time to heal and to do the work that we need to do that ultimately brought us to this place mm-hmm. where we were like, okay, so how do we share this with other people? Right? So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it, it's pretty cool. Is it, does it even come into your mind that you could separate the healing work, the breath work, the inspirational work from teaching makeup artistry? Is that even an option you nowadays? Know, it was so funny because I think originally when I very first started studying the healing world, I thought they're going to be separate. I'm going to, you know, I've done this for, you know, almost 15 years, but I'm going to leave the industry. Okay, that's the next logical step. I'm going to go and I'm going to be a healer. And it was so weird because when I would be doing breath work, I would Oh, you, so you were that into it still, that you're like, I'm going to yeah, make a career out of this. For sure, yeah. Wow. I was like, I'm going to leave this world and I'm going to enter this world. And I, while I would be doing breath work, for an entire year, I had like a very regimented breath work practice where I would breathe every single day for at least 15 minutes, usually around 30 minutes of active breath. And then I would have these crazy visions where I would be bringing it to the artist community. I'd be like standing in front of artists and sharing with artists breath work and I was like no no that's not part of my vision my vision is to leave I'm leaving you know like again trying to freaking control and, and the, the universe is like thank you yeah, very yeah. much yeah. for sharing Elijah <laughs> that's actually not the plan totally. we have on. yeah right. exactly and so I think surrender, I think it surrender. kind of had to happen in that way because I think that's what the industry needs I think that's what we need as an industry is more compassion more healing more connection and less ego you guys talk about the importance of storytelling. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that story that Elijah just told is probably one of the most powerful parts yeah. of anyone's day at the Creative Makeup Boot Camp. Mm-hmm. Because when she starts that and she says, hey, this is the journey I went through. It was terrifying. It was messy. 
and I found myself here and now I want to give that to you. Mm. I think that that's so, it's so organic. It's so authentic. You know, I think it just comes from a place of like that honesty that we need to continue to share. And we really love where the industry is moving, where the world is sort of moving right now, where we're being called to be a little bit more honest with each other and to tell the stories because that's how we get this true connection. You know, everyone's connected on their phones. Everyone's on Instagram, you know, two or three hours a day. But there's no real connections happening there. When you have the opportunity to share a story that connects to something emotional in someone, that's a connection that is never broken. We talk a lot about story. I think we talk about storytelling on a personal level. I think we talk about on a digital level. Like we have this amazing, I call it a magical platform called Instagram. Because if you think of a manifestation platform, um, nothing is more visual than Instagram. And so we can tell our stories on Instagram. Mm -hmm. We can connect with like-minded people. We can share authentically in these spaces. And we also teach artists how to storytell through makeup and hair hair and artistry Mm -hmm. well that was a really good segue then (laughs) (laughs) because you were talking about connection and i think you just said it Mm -hmm. is that sometimes we're it's not really a connection Mm -hmm. on on instagram but at the end of the day call it whatever you want to call it it's Mm -hmm. a necessary part of the world that that you live in yes so yeah we have like a free marketing space now we don't we used to take out ads in like magazines i remember (laughs) when i first started like oh maybe i'll take out an ad in this bridal magazine and i can get work that way (laughs) (laughs) it's like no now i just hashtag bridal makeup artist and people can find me it's so amazing you know we have all of this power and it's in our back pocket we can do Anything we want, we can create and design our own brands. We can create our own strategies. It's so empowering to be able to like look at ourselves as in a different way and market ourselves. Okay, well, you talk about creating a personal brand. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the platform that is the best way to create a personal brand? I think through- it's a combination of platforms, but I think Instagram is the star platform. But you can also do that through YouTube. You can have all these supporting platforms. And so I think it depends on what your preferred medium is. If you love doing video... Make YouTube your space to be able to share your story and to be able to connect. I think if you love the idea of photos or short clips, Instagram is amazing for that. If and Instagram has videos too now. Totally. I mean, kind of yeah. Everything. And if you're in the power of word, like there's Twitter, right? And so if you're an amazing writer and you love sharing inspirational ideas and thoughts, that can be on Twitter. But I think the idea behind creating a personal brand is that when you think about major corporations, they always have a mission statement. And I think so many artists like What's your personal mission statement? That is so important to think about. So then everything that I'm doing as a person, as a business owner, as a makeup or hair artist is aligning within that vision. So you have a personal mission statement? Definitely. Okay, what is it? So my personal mission statement is about inclusivity, it's about healing, and it's about makeup as art. And everything that I do is within that. So if I'm wondering on what to post today... It's going to be something in alignment with that mission statement. So you stop and ask yourself, before I post this, Mm -hmm. is this in alignment with my personal mission statement? Yes, exactly. Okay, so what would cause you to say, "Mm, I'm not going to post this because it's not in alignment with my personal mission statement? I would say if it made other people feel bad about themselves, that doesn't align with healing. Okay, that's not healing and that's not inclusiveness. Exactly, exactly. What did you say? It It was inclusiveness? It's inclusive. It's healing. I think it's healing through creativity, and then it is also makeup as art and okay. makeup as expression. And some people just they are purposely trying to offend or shock mm-hmm. 
because they feel like that's going to get a bigger reaction yeah. and more and followers. Some people, than, some people have built their personal brand on that, but that's right. not who I am. Who and are. I know that's not who Yvonne is, but some people have built their personal brands on that. And I wonder how great that feels to go to sleep at I night. Don't, like I, don't, that, I, don't, but, I don't know those people. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm yeah. not friends with those people. No, right. they, they, they don't sit next to me on airplanes because yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I don't attract that. Yeah, right, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Do you have a personal brand mission? Yeah, I think personal mission then? My mine is really aligning with I would say intersectional feminism. <laughs> say that again. <laughs> intersectional feminism. That's okay. you can be any shape, size, gender, but you can also believe that, you know, women are equal in, in every way. I love empowering women. The majority of my followers are women. I feel like I've always been kind of like an outspoken individual. I love to share Um, Yeah, I love to share, you know, things that maybe I found the hard way that maybe make people feel like they can be a little bit more honest. I think my brand is authenticity and it's absolutely like makeup as art. So just kind of removing the makeup artistry and just kind of using that as my medium of self-expression. Beautiful. Okay, so let's talk about Instagram then. Mm-hmm. Well, for, well, first of all, tell me, tell me that, and this was a question from Deborah Dietrich, by the way, uh, the difference between a pro artist and the many Instagram Yeah, Deborah loves when Yvonne that, speaks about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's a topic that comes up. We sort of find ourselves, Lija and I, because we've been in the pro makeup industry for about 15 years each. In that time, obviously, we've made a major shift in the world of digital, right? And the the landscapes are completely different than what they were 15 years ago. But the cool thing is, is that we find ourselves in this sort of liaison position. So we are deeply rooted in the pro community. We do a lot of stuff with the makeup show with like old school pros. We've definitely assisted. We've apprenticed. We've done the kind of like traditional old school way of of growing and moving up in the makeup artist industry. But halfway through our careers this sort of onset of digital has kind of come in and we've truly embraced it, you know, as a marketing tool, as a way to connect to people, as a way to be in a different city or country and connect to like-minded individuals, artists, creatives, photographers. So we really do sort of talk about how amazing that is as a tool to be able to brand ourselves. When I but was it's working, a tool. It's a tool. It is a, it's tool. a tool. It's not your only calling card. No. No. And so there's this space where we feel like we've seen that maybe those two worlds, the pro artist and the new influencer makeup artist are not really connecting. And I'm sure it's a similar in hairstyling. So there is still that that division between. But I think there's a few of us that are sort of like walking that bridge is sort of connecting those two. Okay. And in that way, we're taking, you know, the digital saying, you know, that's really amazing. We're selling more makeup than we ever have. Guess what? More people who want to do makeup have jobs than they ever have. Mm -hmm. You know, we're actually charging higher rates now as makeup artists because it's a viable career. You know, people are seeing it as like a potential career. The old school pros sometimes are not really connecting to that new because they don't understand it. Digital is overwhelming. And so we're sort of helping bridge that. We're like, you know, our old school makeup friends like, hey, you know, you kind of need this tool. It's going to help you. It's going to help you connect and it's going to help you continue to evolve because mm-hmm. you cannot stop, you know, and dig your heels in and say, I don't want to do this thing that everyone's doing in the whole wide world. Like, it's <laughs> not an option. Right. So you have to kind of get on board. I think what's really great with, with a boot camp that we do is that we have a lot of these influencer artists who have started doing makeup on themselves and they get really, really good at it and they're self-taught and they've watched a million, you know, videos on YouTube but then they want to put a brush on someone else's face. And that's what's scary. Even some of the biggest influencers we've worked mm-hmm. with through our brand connections 
And a lot of them are like, I don't know how to do other people's makeup. I don't know how to create that person's skin tone. I don't know how to do corrective makeup. All I know is what I've learned on myself or what I've learned from these videos. Great. And they Guess have what? hundreds of thousands of followers yeah. and people, in the world of makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Which is fine because guess what? They're selling makeup. They're right. still selling makeup. Mm-hmm. They're just putting it on their own face. That's not any less of artistry. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. the, what they do is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I wish I had Instagram when I was 16. I was beating my face <laughs> back then too, you know? So I think I just have a different perspective than the old school kind of like digging my heels. And I see it as an option to connect to people as an amazing way. We've actually built a good part of our salary on connecting to people from Instagram. Hmm. I've gotten jobs from Instagram. I've connected to beauty brands. You kind of just like, it's your business card. Here's what I can do. Do do companies and beauty brands and producers and are they kind of requiring that too? Yeah. Are are they saying, well, gosh, Yvonne, you're very, very talented and I love your Mm -hmm. portfolio, but you don't have any followers. Mm -hmm. Do they... Yeah, I kind of look at it that way. I mean, I don't have a ton of followers. I have like 30,000 or something, but like that's enough like to be a micro influencer. Right. So it's actually open doors for me 100%. Right. 100% with brands. And I mean like not little doors, like being able to do desk sides at Refinery29, being able to work with beauty brands and speak as a pro artist because Again, I've worked on developing my brand as a pro artist using makeup as art. So they love that angle. They love the pro artist angle. But the ability to be able to speak to a community and a digital community and a digital space is definitely going to help elevate you as you know an artist at any level, as a creative. Mm-hmm. So it depends what you want to do. But I think definitely it's just as important as building a book these days, if not more important. Yeah. And we talk a lot about the importance of everyone in the industry like the old school pro or someone who went to makeup school and has worked on film and television sets Mm -hmm. is just as valuable as someone who has only watched YouTube and learned how to do makeup and does makeup only on themselves it's just about as pros we should be taking these people who maybe didn't have education or didn't have the same schooling that we had and molding them and sharing Mm -hmm. with them and exchanging and then they can be exchanging the digital piece to the old school, the makeup artists yeah, that don't understand obvious, the digital right? We really do complete each other. <laughs> it's, it's, just like, it's like, you know, let's just, let's all share, you know? And I think right now the way the industry has changed, which happens a lot, and when you mentioned this around like, well, we've always done things like this. You know, we've always done things under journeyman and apprenticeships. Well, it's not done that way anymore. Like someone's going to get on your roster or on your set who has only done makeup on five people maybe, but they have 100,000 followers. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to work with them. And that's just now the way our industry is moving. And so mm-hmm. it's important for us to all be open and all change with the times and develop new ways of thinking and new ways of teaching. Okay, well mm-hmm. then let me switch gears here a little bit and give the advice to those who maybe have really focused on getting a bunch of followers. Mm-hmm. And so so they look good. Mm-hmm. And what they're putting out there is like, wow, they really know their mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. but they're wanting it, that, but it doesn't translate into a salary. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. people who have 30,000, 40,000 followers mm-hmm. and not one person sitting in their chair yeah. uh, paying them money. So cool, yeah. you have a lot of followers, mm-hmm. but it's not translating into anything. So meaning, obviously, they need to know mm-hmm. the basics. They need to know the rules and the foundation. So give advice to that audience. So they, they love makeup. They're doing it on themselves. They're shooting little videos. They're watching tons of YouTube videos. They're creating a following. You know, But now they want to legitimize this into, yeah. a, mm-hmm. into a career where they're making money. I mean, I would say the best way, if you haven't worked in a salon or you haven't worked on set... 
the best thing that you can do is be an assistant to someone. And being an assistant to someone... Thank God you talked about that because (laughs) I like to say it's the microwave generation. They want things instantly. No. You know, I've worked here for two weeks. Right. I want to be the CEO. There you go. There you go. So Um, be an assistant. Talk about that. And being an assistant is a great way to have a solid amount of pay coming in on a regular basis. And it's the best way to learn. And what I'll say about being an assistant that's really important Mm -hmm. is when you're assistant, you don't go in asking a bunch of questions. It's not what you do as an assistant. You watch and learn. So it's not about asking and learning. It's about watching and learning. And you watch Why, why do you say that? Because they're busy or just... Well, you think, say watch and learn, not ask and learn. Yes. Yeah, I've so, had assistants come on set that are just like, hey, can you teach me how to do this? I'm like, this is not a personal tutorial. Right. This is a job. I'm working I'm here. Managing. This is a celebrity right here. Yeah, exactly. Shut up. And so, I think the main reason why is because that you imagine that you're there as an extra pair of hands. And the yeah. benefit that you're getting is a master class one-on-one with a key artist or with a master so you can learn of their so craft. Much in one and day. you're you're seeing it inches away from your face. Like how wow. amazing wow. is that? If you do have questions, what I would say is write them down on your notes in your phone mm-hmm. and think of a, a good time to ask this person. Maybe you guys are cleaning up, there's no clients there, you guys are having a personal moment. You might say, Hey, I have a few questions, I'd love to email them to you. Yeah. Or, you know, when we have time to talk about this, maybe you can a- answer a few questions for me that I had about today and some of the things you did. Okay. But you're not sitting there with the client face-to-face saying, hey, why are you doing that? What's this? You know, because what you're going to do there is you're going to actually end up not getting called back as an assistant. (laughs) And you've added another layer of work to the key artist or the master stylist that you're working It switches the focus away from the the client client or the the celebrity or whatever. Right. And the signature energy style that that master stylist is bringing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a key makeup artist, whether it's a master hairstylist, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you're taking away from their exchange with their client. And your job there is to be a fly on a wall and an extra pair of hands for It's them. just good etiquette. What's you know, I think we talk about that too, right? We talk about etiquette in our classes. We do a whole section on etiquette backstage. We do oh a, a section on etiquette. I want, on, I want all this information. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recently oh came up with the three gosh. golden rules of etiquette. Oh, what are they? Um, <laughs> uh, so the golden rules of etiquette, one, are to be authentic. authentic. And so for that, that means showing up as the best version of yourself. Um, not pretending to be someone else. And I think authentic in a lot of different ways. I think that word gets thrown around a lot. But what authenticism means is showing up um, in whatever role you're supposed to be that day. So if it's an assistant, that means showing up as an assistant, not the CEO of the company. Yeah. Right? I have this friend who's a very famous makeup artist. When she walks into a room, you know she's in the building. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's loud, and I mean that in a good way. Mm-hmm. She is like, she is out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, her hair, everything is like, wow, what mm-hmm. just happened in this room? Mm-hmm. But she says when she's working on a client, yeah. she tones everything down. It's a yeah. simple, it's it's not a simple about her. shift of energy about, exactly. and humility. Yeah. And, and it is. We're in a service industry. We are there to provide a service. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're a keying the biggest couture show on in Paris Fashion Week, guess what? You're providing a service for the designer. Mm. You're still in that position. And so I think, you know, with the world of digital, we're getting this shift where celebrity makeup artists are actually the celebrities themselves. And that's great. 
fine. But in the industry, when you're working with another client or you're working with a group of clients or you're in a collaborative situation backstage or doing, you know, any kind of editorial, it's not about you. See, I like what you said that Mm -hmm. you're authentic, but you need to show up in the role that you're playing. Because people say, well, I am loud. I am boisterous. I'm innocent to be who I am. am. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You can be who you are unemployed. Right. Exactly. There you go. I know. (laughs) <laughs> who we are is an important. That's fine. Okay, so number one is authentic. Yes. Number two is to, as I mentioned before, is watch and learn. Mm-hmm. And so even if I show up as the key makeup artist on set, even if I show up and I have a green room and they're treating me like the star, I'm still watching and learning from the creative director. Always. I'm yeah. watching and learning from the stylist. I'm watching and learning everyone in the room and mm-hmm. how they move. Because every set or every environment, when you're freelance, you're going to go into lots of different worlds. And one world is going to be, you know, maybe a little more open. People are chatty. They're sharing. You might go into another room where it's silent. No one likes to talk. You can pick up cues on all of the people in that space. Mm -hmm. So watching and learning will help you throughout your career. Brilliant. What's the third? And and the third one. Golden rule of etiquette. (laughs) The third one that I'd like to say, I think this is important for us in life. Be flexible. Mm -hmm. Be flexible in the way that you plan. Be flexible in the way that you collaborate and be flexible in the way that you are easygoing. People want to work with easygoing people. Mm-hmm. And so just I would say these three things will help you throughout your entire career. I'm sure there's an entire book on etiquette, but I love that. Oh, that's I love perfect. That. Yeah. Um, by the way, those three golden rules will work for a successful marriage. <laughs> yeah. The authentic, watch and learn, be flexible, easy yeah, going. Yeah, I love it. Uh, great yeah. advice. For a happy life. No, great advice. You know, my um, my good friend Dean Banowitz, mm-hmm. uh, he talks about cell phones. Yeah. And he says when an assistant pulls out a cell phone, he's, he's like, pack your bags and leave. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. It, uh, yeah. I've seen it so many times. It's just an added level of... I mean, you're already at your max if you're keying something. Mm-hmm. You don't need somebody taking any more of that energy away from the project or the client. Right. And that's exactly what that does. Like, that is a huge no-no. Right. The best yeah. way to assist someone, I always, if you're just, it's your first time assisting, mm-hmm. I like to ask, like, what are your rules right away? Because mm-hmm. different people will have different rules. Some makeup artists now with, con- we're like content, content, content. They want you recording all the time. If but they, they need to yeah. ask you yeah. or okay. tell you, Got like, it. I'm working with this client. I would love for you to do, you know, on the back of the hair when I'm styling it, I would love for you to do a whole video on it. Got they need it. to ask. So it's, it has to be an open communication that as an assistant, you say, like, right away, like, okay, what are the rules? Would you like me to, you know, do this for you? Do you want me to do content for you? Do you, you know, and I think knowing a little bit of that going up front can be really helpful. Well, watch and learn and be flexible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other part. So, you know, we were just talking about, like, how, like, we say old schools. How, how, what else do we call that? You know, like, our last generation, our most recent generation of, of makeup artists versus the next generation. I think there's something that we can share, you know? Like, if I'm on set and you're really good at digital, that doesn't mean take a selfie with the model. But what I can, I can use your strength in knowing digital to do this BTS for me and save it mm, to your phone, you know? Right. So I think we just need to communicate a little bit more and, like, play to our strengths and work mm-hmm. with each other and know that, you know, there is a benefit. And then maybe the new school makeup artist can take a few notes from the etiquette class, you know? Mm. And I think that's what it is. It's really Beautiful. it's really kind of just sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm going all over the place here. I That's hope okay. You guys we're are with okay you. With no, that. We're I know you're. I know. Yeah, you guys can handle adventure. it. <laughs> you got this cup of coffee. You're both ready to go. So, uh, 
Yvonne, you mentioned a, a vision board. What is that? Mm. Is that something that you did way back then and you haven't done another one since? Or no. is that something that you are <laughs> something that you do on a regular basis? Yeah, I for me I like to do it annually. I mean I paint and I'm an artist too, so I love to create art with my vision board. So I do make time for it every year. What time, I, what time of the year? I'm just kind I of curious. Love, and, within the first month of the year, I think okay. we we have this new kind of renewed sense of self. We can look at a year with a little bit more objection, you know, like rather than at the end of the year, me personally, by the time October comes, I'm already in 2020 right now. Right. Thinking about like plans and, you know, projecting of what you kind of want to make happen. So it might not just be career focused. It absolutely for me is, but there's other, you know, goals and, and things that I want to set up for myself. So usually a little introspection time is really essential. Maybe clearing out some of the cobwebs of the year before, releasing some things that are no longer longer serving us. Would that, would that in, mm-hmm. this is kind of a harsh yeah. question, would that include individuals? Yeah. Do you do that? You're just like, you know what? I need to let that relationship go. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I've been okay with letting go of some toxic relationships in my life. I've definitely struggled with others, but I think just a constant like check and balance in life. You know, if we're, we desire progress and we desire the aspirational things, we have to make, we have to know that there's part of the responsibility that is letting go some of the things. Well, well, how I like to say it is I I, I love myself enough to stay away from that person. Exactly. Right. Okay. So back yeah. to the vision boards. Yeah, um, so I think just kind of like taking a look. I love making categories. I'm like a little bit systematic in that way. So I'll, you know, okay, like what are my work goals this year? What are some financial goals? What are some spiritual goals? What are some health goals, family? You know, it can be any number of things. I love kind of setting up categories. Just spending a couple of days writing down some things that you want to you know, bring into your life, some things that you want to let go. And then I love finding pictures and printing them out and then painting over top of that. So that's, I would put it on a canvas and, you know, have some like paint splatters and mine's all very rainbowy because, you know, obviously everything in our house, including my wife's hair is rainbows. Do you you save these? Yeah, I have. So you have some from the past? Well, you know what? I I don't because when I moved, um, those are the things I let go. I, I didn't feel like I needed to bring them. Mm. I, I like looking forward instead of backwards. So mm. I feel like I have mm. those things. I also <laughs> have vision boards on my cell phone as my screensaver. I put like little pick stitches together of like oh, visuals nice. that I want to bring into my life. Um, I try to just kind of like have the, my brain be zapped any possible way, like a screensaver, any way I can get visuals because I'm such a visual person into my brain to sort of like let my brain know that these things are already happening and they're already coming into my life. I'll think, do that. I think a yeah. lot of people are visual. They don't yeah. know it or, mm-hmm. or accept it or vocalize it. Mm-hmm. But I think, mm-hmm. I think we think a lot more in pictures than we do in words. Yeah, for sure. You yeah. know, people are really good at writing down yeah. their goals. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, that's just yeah. a small step yeah. of what it's going to take to It's an important to step. That. I think yeah. writing right. down makes it feel mm-hmm. a little more tangible. Bringing it to life through pictures is kind of fun. You mm-hmm. know, it's that play piece that we love. Um, you know, you create a piece of art that you can look at all year mm-hmm. long. And then, you know, it was funny because as things start to happen and things evolve and, and new relationships come into our life and new experiences and, you know, we start to check off those things. I love looking at, like I just looked the other day and I was like, wow, we actually did a lot of this stuff. And what else do I have to do this year? Okay, we're going to look coming up on October. I guess I got to, let's refocus some energy over here. And wow, I feel really good because I did this and this and this. I had a place, I had a actually... Elijah knows this. I had a new place in New York City. 
New York City with a picture of an apartment was on my vision board this year. And you guys We're moving there in two weeks. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. I, I love when you talk about also like feeling it before you have it. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you mean by that? Yeah, I love to get into the good feeling. So this is a part of what we do like in our visualization piece of our class too. And I think it's really important when you're building a vision board or doing any kind of manifestation is like, I'll take myself back to a really good feeling. So like, you know, sometime in your life you felt really excited, happy, successful, you know, joyful, like mm. those moments. Right, the marriages and the babies and the whatever it is, a vacation spot, whatever. exactly. And then start in that vibe, kind of feel how that happiness feels inside of your body, and then take yourself into a place where you're thinking about maybe some of the goals that you'd like to achieve. And so you're already kind of focused on that good energy, and it starts to connect. So if mm. we just start at a place that's maybe neutral, and we say, "I would like to do this." we might focus almost too much on the want, which almost tells the universe that we don't have it and then kind of tells the universe that we don't not going to get it. So kind of having those oh good God, feelings you guys, and projecting. You, I can tell you've done yeah. the work. I've done the work. <laughs> no, yeah. And so stay in those good feelings. And then when you're, when those, the, those, you know, we're human. So we're going to have the thoughts come in that says, oh, well, how can you do that if you don't do this and this and this? Just allow yourself to laugh mm. at that a little bit. Um, and then you're creating and you're designing your sort of your future and your dreams with that same energy. And so every time you go back to that, try to remember those good energies and just connect it to what you're trying to manifest mm. for yourself. Like and then find some pictures and put it on the board. See, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was taught yeah. is, is, is the how does not matter. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if we focus too much on the how, no, I just put it out there. How you're going to get there yeah. doesn't matter right yeah. now. Don't think about that. Yeah. Just put it out there. I have there. a funny yeah. little antidote. Let's when I it. ask for big love. In my life, mm-hmm. I was dating dudes. <laughs> there you go. But I didn't care. Right. I didn't care what form it came in. Right. I was dating everyone, but you know. There you go. This one came into my life, and it was the big love. Mm-hmm. And I knew it. I recognized it because I knew what I was asking for. And mm-hmm. I had asked for it my whole life, you know? Mm-hmm. So you already know when it's there. <laughs> if you don't paint a picture, you're not too rigid. Like, when it shows itself, it, you know. You're ready. So, um, I yeah. Marianne Williamson used to say that we not only do we have the frame, but we have the exact picture yeah. of what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I love that. Let, let that go. Yeah, mm-hmm. we haven't done it yet, but we're talking about it, and we're going to do it soon. Of doing a vision board as a family. Oh, I love that. So that yeah, so, so sit down with our little daughter mm-hmm. and get some magazines and scissors and some activity. glue and some big poster boards yeah. and just start cutting out pictures to create a. A family vision board. I'm going to find something and send it to you that I did two years ago that was probably one of the most powerful, like, manifesting months of my life. It was that January. And it was the year I went to my class that I went to in Santa Fe Mm -hmm. with Mike Dooley. And it was a whole month of different little things that you can do. And it, it led you up to the end of the month in January where you put together your vision board. Oh, but it was like little activities and fun things that you can do every day. Oh my gosh, I would um, love to have yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll find it and send it to you. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a great process. We should do that in January. That sounds fun. Of course. I mean, as my, yeah. I mean, with a seven-year-old, she requires that. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. But my gosh, there's some grown adults that are listening to that. That Let's, let's take yeah. you back to that. Yeah. I needed it too. I mean, I really saw the potential when I moved away from kind of what I knew growing up you know I came from very humble beginnings and a lot of my family stayed in that place and never mm-hmm. ever left mm-hmm. and so I knew that I wanted more and, and you know I saw myself traveling the world and doing all these things and they looked at me like I was absolutely insane because it was so far away from anything that anyone had experienced and I was like no 
I got this. And I, I swear I was visualizing these things. <laughs> Even as when I was in grade six, I was like, I need to learn French. Let's go into French immersion because I'm going to be a famous actress and be in France someday. So I have to learn French. Like I was always just dreaming these ridiculously grand things. I mean, whatever. I wasn't a, I'm not a famous actress in France, but we were there for Fashion Week this year talking to everyone in French. I mean, back, it's just like so surreal sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe we've been talking for like an hour and 20 minutes no. oh my god can you believe it shocking and I don't I, I know I know apparently the three of us can talk yeah I haven't even like gotten to a lot of the questions and things that I wanted to ask you but this has just been so so wonderful I knew it was going to be this way like I knew it was just going to yeah. be magical and yeah. easy and yeah from the second I we know from you, the we second do. we talked to you mm. Deborah, we love you. Deborah, we love Love you. you. Thanks so much for helping to make this happen. Yeah. It was great. So good. I think I already know the answer to this question, but um, Deborah wanted me to ask you, what is your go-to place for inspiration? Mm. My go-to place for inspiration is actually like the past. I love old Hollywood films. I love fashion textiles. I love you know, different time, like countries in the twenties. And, you know, I, I find inspiration for me in textures and shapes and colors that aligned in times that I wasn't alive in. Mm-hmm. So I love researching eras. I love researching actresses from specific time frames, mm-hmm. directors. Um, that's definitely where I get a lot of inspiration from. Art movements. Like it's for me, it's, I find so much inspiration in the past and then bringing them forward and modernizing them. And I like seeing where other creatives now also use inspirations from the past, but maybe aren't saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they don't even know that they are using them from the past. But I like seeing that and being like, oh, I can see where they got that from. That's like from the 1920s. There's this whole like opium den kind of revival that was happening. I could see it in the textures and the clothing. And so when I'm backstage working shows, I'm like trying to get in the designer's head to be like, where is this coming from? Like, where was this? You know, and just understanding where we all can pull inspirations as creative people. Beautiful. What about you? Yeah, I totally get off on that too. I (laughs) love looking at seeing like, oh, that's so clever. Um, I look at fine art, you know, definitely, but I love I love the potential future. I'm so inspired by making things that are new, by like pushing boundaries. I'm so inspired by like right now what's happening with inclusivity. I want to see everything I've never seen before. Like I love like just futurism in general. So it's funny because it's almost we're so like parallel sometimes and we're so opposite others. But I think like just the rush of excitement that I get from seeing what might be next or even being a part of collaborating on something totally is like my thing yeah so I think it's kind of ambiguous it's sort of abstract but and then also I love looking at fine art and bringing that into um, makeup artistry Hmm. yeah yeah textures and colors the good news is that you have an answer yeah, because yeah. sometimes you ask people what inspires you, and mm. they're like, "I don't know." Oh my god, I can find I inspiration know. everywhere. Right. I mean, you can literally find it when when I ask people where do you find inspiration. I mean, like literally find it in a tree, mm-hmm. find it in the way that they pour your cream in your coffee because it looks freaking gorgeous the way it falls yeah, 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 down. Yeah, right. Like I mean, in flowers, in the sky. Like I mean, yeah. literally, it's almost like open up your eyes and just see past what you're physically seeing, yeah. or maybe the mundane of what you see every day, and try to just see one. Thing that's different in that yeah I love that you asked that that's kind of like the other piece we do 
in our class, we take inspiration outside of the digital because a lot of us look to digital for inspiration. And often as a makeup artist, you're looking at other people's makeup and you're just recreating and like, where's the fun in that, right? right? So like, let's get outside of that. How do we create from a place within? How do we take reference in a new way? Or in a way that maybe we used to, but kind of make it new and exciting and collaborate and like add, you know, put things together that wouldn't normally be there and look definitely outside of makeup and find um, inspiration and color theory that exists in nature. Like there's so much around mm-hmm. us and texture. Yeah. I think just looking outside of our phones I is really I remember the, the hairdresser educator, but part of his training was to take his students out onto the street to mm-hmm. look at architecture, to yeah. look at buildings and before they even cut one head of hair, yeah, that's cool. It was let's draw cool. dimensions and mm-hmm. yeah. from a building that you are that's staring so at. That's cool. so cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that a lot of uh, maybe? Well, you said that you love art. I find that a lot of hairdressers and makeup artists also paint. Mm-hmm. They also become photographers. They mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. they look to other mediums. Is that mm-hmm. kind of how it is for the two of you as well? Yeah, I think like art is a form of self-expression. And if you've really embraced being an artist or creative, then there's, it will kind of bleed into other areas where you're just wanting to, you know, this is only one option as a canvas, you know, Mm. a face. Uh, You know, both of us body painted at one point in our lives because a face wasn't big enough. But I think moving beyond that, (laughs) um, I think there's great training in that too. You know, when I'm painting and I'm blending oils Mm. on canvas and I'm creating three-dimensional shapes, I'm just practicing contouring and highlighting, Mm. you know? So I think that there's, you know, a lot of creatives, let's just say I'm a musician. I'm not going to pick up a guitar for the first time and play it and be perfect. I have to practice. And mm. I think that there's this, like, sort of lost thing where we think we're just going to show up and do the thing when we're, like, makeup artists or hairstylists, you know, without really, truly practicing. My dad's a musician. His practice, his guitar, and his bass every day mm-hmm. for 45 years. Mm-hmm. Every right. day I would wake up and hear that bass, the <laughs> practicing scales. And then he would go off and be a bricklayer in the day, and then he would play in the band at night every single day. And, to this and people day. probably say, oh, I'd, I'd give anything to play the bass like you do. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> he would, you, would you give up 45 years <laughs> yeah. being in the bass and exactly. practicing yeah. every single day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So right. I really, I think, like, just, you know, that practicing piece and just really honoring what it takes to get to that mastery level you mm. know if i ever do um, i think it takes dedication mm. you know mm-hmm. commitment mm-hmm. and and practice what, what yeah. is it that t- takes ten thousand hours right mm-hmm. you know i remember asking olympic mm-hmm. gold medalist mm-hmm. uh peter vinmar mm-hmm. he's like 10 out yeah. ten thousand hours in the gym yeah ten thousand hours this is what it takes wow mm-hmm. and people say well you have to work twice as hard well no i can't be in the gym 16 hours a day if you're there eight hours a day but maybe i could be there nine hours mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if i just add one more hour mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe exactly. that's what's going to help me go right on to become mm-hmm. a gold medalist it's mm-hmm. amazing yeah yeah, yeah. I think as creatives, we forget that it is practice, that you do have to sit down. And so many people are like, well, you know, I don't have anyone to practice on. I'm like, you have a face, you have hands. You know what I mean? Like if you're, you know, sit down, practice something every day. If you want to try something new, try it on yourself. I have so many terrible images of myself like that. I've never posted anywhere that I will never post anywhere. But if I'm going to go on stage and do a demo, I'm going to practice that look before I do it. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm working with a celebrity client or a high profile client, I want to make sure that the time that I get to them. And I mean, this happens like now for jobs that I'm doing. Like it's not like this was 10 years ago. This is like now I'm doing a job with a new person. You better believe I'm going to know exactly what I'm doing before I get there. 
area right. because that's my time to practice. And when I get there, I'm on stage. I like what you said that you practice on yourself, and but nobody's going to see those. Yeah, images. no one. I'm a good <laughs> friend. I get to see those you pictures. <laughs> well, I have a good friend that's won major awards, and she told me that her first photo shoot was in the back of a Chinese restaurant in Santa Barbara, California. I'm like, can I see those images? She's like, no, you can't. <laughs> nobody's going to see those. But everybody assumes that yeah, her just, first right. release of photos. From yeah. her first photo shoot, won major awards. Yeah. No, it didn't. Yeah. No. It was no. practice, practice, yeah. practice, practice on yeah. all kinds of mediums. Yeah. So, yeah. You guys, this was incredible. Um, you're incredible. You're incredible. <laughs> Seriously. Thank you. Thank Give you a final so message for our listeners. Oh, uh, with something that we say at the Creative Make a Boot Camp, which we talked about a little bit in the beginning, is um, that it's not about being creative. It's about the creative being. And so I would say our final message to everyone is to remember to not just work on the outside but work on the inside because creativity mm. comes from the inside of you so that would be my final message oh, I, just, I just I love that message being a creative being well I love that Yvonne <laughs> um, I would say choose authenticity you know do the work that gets you to the place where you're feeling the most raw and run towards the things that scare you because you're definitely learning something mm. yeah mm. <laughs> from the second that I stepped into your space I just felt so safe oh that's mm. cool that's awesome same thank you <sighs> makes me emotional <laughs> but what I like thank to say you. is I had a baby seven years ago so those hormones are still <laughs> yeah, like <really>. yes <laughs> <laughs> you guys thank you so much thank you man. thank, thank you it's a pleasure to be here